there was a little girl sitting with her grandmother who had presented her with this little children's Bible in an easy-to-read translation when she was very young. And now it was about 10 years later, and the grandmother was ready to spend a few sweet moments handing down the big family Bible to her, her grandchild. And it was in the time-honored King James Version. It had all of their families, births and, and deaths and all these things recorded in it. So it was kind of a treasured keepsake. And the girl was very excited to be getting this Bible, of course, and she began to ask her questions, some questions about the family members that were in the Bible. And she also started asking her grandma questions about the Bible itself, you know, just things that she had read and that she wondered about in the Bible. But the, the most memorable question came as the girl sincerely asked, which virgin was the mother of Jesus? Was it the Virgin Mary or the King James Virgin? Yeah, well... Sometimes we don't get it all right, do we? But the Bible, what is it that separates this book from any other that has ever been written? Here's just a few fun facts about the Bible. The term Bible is derived from the Greek word for papyrus plant, which is biblos. And that word had the literal meaning of paper or a scroll, and it became known as a word for book as well. So that's where, where the, the word Bible came from. Have you ever wondered, what, how did we get that word Bible? It came from the word biblos, which is a Greek word for the papyrus plant. Here's another fun fact. In 1995, the Guinness Book of World Records listed the Bible as the best-selling book of all time with an estimated 5 billion sold. And that was in 1995. We sold maybe another billion or two since then. The Bible is the most translated book in the world. As of October 2019, the full Bible had been translated into 698 languages, and then the New Testament in another 1,548 languages, and portions of the Bible in another 1,138 languages for a total of 3,384 languages that the Bible has been translated into. Uh, the Wycliffe Bible Society, which is the foremost uh, organization that translates the Bible, they have accelerated, accelerated their Bible translation efforts and that they believe that in, I think, the next 20 or 30 years, they will have it in every language that exists on the planet. So that's something unprecedented with any other book. The Bible itself contains 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses and over 750,000 words. The Bible, what an amazing book. It's no other book has had the influence it's had, the impact it's had throughout the ages and is still this amazing, powerful book that we look to for answers today. But why? Why is the Bible a book that's impacted our world like, like no other book. What is it that's so special about the Bible? Well, one of the best play, ways to find out about the Bible and why it's so special is in the pages of the Bible itself. So let's do that right now. We're going to look into the Bible. And our first uh, point today is the Bible is God's story. The Bible is God's story. It's the story of God and his interaction with, with people. And the Bible was not just 
written by people without any inspiration. In fact, let's take a look at this verse right here, 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. And Peter said, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we need to know is the words of the Bible did not come from the ideas of men. They were implanted into men through the power of the Holy Spirit. And those words were inspired by God. They were, they were in a sense, authored by God, okay? So that's really important for us to know. The words in the Bible had their origin with God. The biblical authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote down the words. Now, since the Bible had its origin in God, we call it God's word, right? That's why we also, also call it God's word. It's the story of how God has revealed himself to people and how people have responded to God. Because of this truth, we can have absolute trust and confidence in the Bible. It is the very words of God to us. So that's, that's the first reason why the Bible has impacted the world like no other book, because it's the words of God himself to us. The next point we need to know is that the Bible is powerful. The Bible is powerful. In Hebrews 4.12, there's a, an awesome verse that says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So first, this passage here tells us that God's word is living, it's active. It's not a dead book that has no relevance to our 21st century lives. Instead, it's this living, life-changing, dynamic book. And it works and is powerful in each one of our lives. Um, the author of Hebrews here gives this metaphor of a double-edged sword. And he talks about how it can penetrate and expose the thoughts and the attitudes of the human heart. It helps us to discern what is good, in other words, and right from what is evil and wrong. So it, it's powerful in that it's discerning, it's penetrating, it exposes our attitudes and our, and our thoughts and what is good and what is right and what is not right. Many years ago, while on a visit to America, there was a wealthy Chinese businessman, and he was fascinated by, by this microscope that he, he saw. It was a powerful microscope, and when he looked through the lens and saw crystals and petals of flowers, he was amazed at the beauty and detail. So he decided to purchase one of these devices that he'd never seen before and take it back to China. Well, he thoroughly enjoyed using it, you know, day after day, but until one day, when he decided to examine some rice that he was planning to eat for dinner. And he put that rice under the microscope, and he discovered that tiny living creatures were crawling in it. Well, since he was especially fond of this staple food in his daily diet, he wondered, what should he do? Finally, he concluded there was only one way out of this dilemma. He would destroy the instrument that caused him to discover this tasteful, this tasteful fact, so he smashed the microscope to pieces. Well, that may seem foolish to us, but how many people do the same thing with the Bible? They read it, and it 
shows something in their life that they don't really want to see, and so the easiest solution is just to close that and not go back to it, right? You know, kind of like the guy with the microscope. Let's just get rid of it, and then it isn't there anymore, right? But no, the stuff's still there in our lives. And that's one of the things that the Bible does is it exposes that stuff. It helps us to see it so that we can deal with it. What the man needed to do was, you know, take care of the rice, right? Probably throw that out and start with some new stuff. <laughs> not, not just pretend it wasn't there. Well, it's the same thing with us. The Bible reveals that stuff in our lives and it helps us to know that stuff we need to deal with so that we can have a more successful life, a more God-honoring life, a more fulfilling life. The next thing is the Bible shows us how to live. The Bible shows us how to live. Psalm 119.9 says... How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. These verses help us to see that the Bible is a light that shows us the way to go in a dark world. We know there's a lot of darkness in this world. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens. And the Bible is like a light that shows, shows a light on the right path for us to go. It's like a spiritual and moral compass to help us make good choices in life. So this is one of the, uh, one of the other huge reasons why the Bible is always been this amazing book throughout the ages that has been written and has impacted the world like no other because it shows us how to live. It shows us how to live prosperous, successful uh, lives that are God-honoring, God-pleasing. So the Bible is like that moral compass, a light to show us the way. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, this passage affirms that God's word has truly come from God. It is God-breathed. God breathed out the words, his word, to the biblical authors, and they wrote it down. This passage also reveals that God's word is useful in four ways. The first one is teaching. So the Bible instructs us in doctrine and matters of Christian conduct. That's what that means, that word teaching. It, it helps us to know what we should believe about God and who he is and his nature. And, and it helps us to know what are the things that we are supposed to do. What, how has God asked us to live? The second thing he says it does is rebuking and correcting. So rebuking and correcting means disciplining and adjusting the behavior in our lives according to the doctrine that's in the Bible. So the, the Bible helps us to see if we are going in error. It helps us to see if there's sin in our life that we need to deal with. So rebuking and correcting, and, and sometimes we need to do that with people in our lives around us. And the Bible is what we go back on. We don't go back on, you know what? You just shouldn't do that because, well, I think you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't do that because the Bible says that that's not the way we please and honor God. You know, that's, that's not how we want to live our life. And then we show them where it says that in the Bible. The next thing is, it, it is for training in righteousness. So enabling believers to live right, to make positive progress in their lives that is pleasing to God. So right, what is righteousness? Right living. So the Bible helps train us in right living. 
And the last thing he talks about is that it equips us. He says, it's so, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it, he, Paul was giving these wor- words to Timothy, and Timothy was kind of his protege. So he was, he was telling Timothy, as, as a man of God, you need, to, you need to make sure that you are in the Bible, because this is what the Bible does. And it, and it equips you. It gives you everything you need for every task that God has given you to do. How many know that God has given us some things to do in our lives? There's some things he wants us to do, some things he has for us. And so the Bible equips us to do that. When we read the Bible, when we are, we are in the Bible, immersing ourselves in the Bible, then it equips us and helps us to be able to do the things that God wants us to do. Uh, the, the last thing here is that I want to talk about as far as why the Bible is such a powerful book, why it is a book that impacts the world like no other, is because the Bible helps us to fight. Test, test. There we go. I think the battery ran out on that one. The Bible helps us to fight temptation. So let's look at Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. This, I'm going to give you a a minute to turn to this one in your Bible if you have it because it's a longer passage and it's a great passage. I'd love for you to follow along either in your Bible or you can look up on the screen. But um, great passage here, Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Talks about Jesus right before he started his official ministry And this is what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You know, in this passage, Satan tempts Jesus three times in three different ways. But Jesus responds the same way each time. Did you notice what he did? What did he do? What did he do? It is written, yes, he quotes scripture. So what does that tell us? And by the way, each one of those responses that Jesus gave came from the book of Deuteronomy. And they were obviously scriptures that he had ready to go. So what it tells us, what it tells me is, number one, that God's word is powerful in fighting temptation. When we're tempted to sin, we can use the Bible as a weapon against the enemy. In fact, when Paul talks about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, all of the armor is defensive except for one piece, and that was the sword of the Spirit, 
which he says is the word of God. The Bible is called the sword of the spirit. It's an offensive weapon to do battle with the enemy. So that's what Jesus was doing in this passage, right? Satan was come to him trying to tempt him to do things that Jesus knew was not what he was supposed to do at that time. So Jesus takes out his sword and he says, boom, take that, Satan. There's the word of God, all right? What do you think about that? And I think uh, Satan just probably kind of like, you know, drew back. And we see one of the things, Satan even tried to distort scripture. He even tried to take a, a scripture out of context and use it to tell Jesus to, you know, throw himself down from a pinnacle. Ah, oh, you know, do it because God will lift you up. But again, Jesus corrected him with a correct use of scripture. Away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. And do not put the Lord your God to a test. And man lives by bread alone. So all these things tell us that we need to have the word of God at our disposal as a weapon to fight the enemy. So those are some of the things that make the word of God an amazing book, a powerful book, a book that is like no other. We could go on and on. There's so many other things we could say about the Bible. But I want to move on to to application. What does this mean for our lives? Our big idea for this message is feast on the Bible every day. Feast on the Word of God every day. So what do I mean by feast on the Word of God? Well, to, when we think of feasting, right, we think of just, you know, setting down and like consuming this this food that is just amazing, that we're going to enjoy, that we're going to love. It's like, you know, we're taking our time with it. I think of like a Thanksgiving dinner. That's, that's what I think of when I think of feasting. So in the same way, we need to feast on the Bible. So how do we do that? Well, number one, of course, is read it, right? You know, most of us don't even begin to fathom how fortunate we are to have the Bible and to be able to read the Bible. First of all, for much of our history, only a small percentage of the population was even able to read. And then on top of that, most people never were able to have a personal copy of Scripture until just the last few hundred years. Even in the, in the first probably 1,500 years of the church, it would be very uncommon for somebody to personally have an, a copy of Scripture. The only way they would hear the Scripture would be coming together with believers in the church and hearing it read by the maybe the one or two copies that that the minister had so having a bible is just like this amazing privilege that we take for granted so much of the time right not only now do we have these you know physical physical copies of the bible that are so inexpensive you know literally just a, a, a teeny tiny part of our salary whereas even you know a a few hundred years ago, it would have been like a year's salary to get a Bible. So we have these, these Bibles available super inexpensively, but now, on top of that, we have them available digitally, right? We've got them online, we've got them on our tablets, we can have it on our phone. I mean, so it's literally right there at our disposal at any time. So we really just don't have any excuse to not be able to read the Bible because, I mean, it's never been a more available to us as it is now. The only way I'd maybe say you have an excuse is if you're blind, but even then, they have the Bible in Braille, right? 
So, and there's also listening to the Bible. And listening is another great way to, to feast on the Bible. Some people even like to read it and listen to it at the same time. If you um, have that version Bible app that I've talked about, it, you can actually uh, play the Bible and listen to it right as you read it. Or you can, some people listen to it in their cars. Some people listen to other places. But there's great ways to be able to read and listen to the Bible. So we don't have any excuse. You know, there was, there was a couple who sent their son to college to his freshman year at Duke University. And they gave him a Bible, um, assuring him that it would be a great help to him. Well, later, he, he started sending them letters asking for money, as kids are prone to do who go to college. And they would write back telling him to read his Bible. And they'd even cite specific chapters and verses. Well, he'd reply back that he was reading his Bible, but he still needed money. Well, when he came home for a semester break, his parents told him they knew he hadn't been reading his Bible. Why? Because they'd tucked 10 and $20 bills by the verses that they had cited for him to read in their letters. <laughs> so he was found out. The Bible has all of the answers to life in it. In fact, Ronald Reagan said, former President Ronald Reagan, within the covers of one single book, the Bible, are all the answers to all the problems that face us today. If only we would read and believe. So, number one, read the Bible or listen to it or both, but consume it and feast on it by reading it. Number two is meditate on it. Meditate on it. I want to look at a couple of verses that talk about about meditating on the word of God here. The first one's in Psalm 119.15. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. The next one's Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And then finally, Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. These verses tell us we're to do more with the word of God than just read it. We're to meditate on it. You know, that Hebrew word for meditate means to ponder, to muse, to think upon. So part of our daily discipline with the Bible should be to spend time thinking about and interacting with our reading of the Bible. So it could also even, even mean studying the Bible. It's, but it, it, it involves looking into the Bible more, thinking about it, thinking about how does it apply to my life? What can I learn from my reading of the Bible? So you might ask yourself questions like these. What does this reading, the reading of the Bible that I just read, what does it reveal to me about God? What does it show me about him and his character? Another question you might ask yourself, is there a command that I should follow in what I just read? Another question you might ask is, is there an example that I should follow? Is there somebody's example that I see that I should follow? Or sometimes an example I shouldn't follow. There's a lot of examples of those in the Bible too, right? Uh, another question we might ask is, is there a sin I should avoid that I've just read in this passage? So those are ways to think on the Bible more deeply, to meditate on it and see how it, how it affects our lives. It's not just check, our daily reading, reading shouldn't just be checking the box, right? It shouldn't be just reading it, okay, good, done that, go on, go on with my day. 
it should be spending some time thinking about, okay, what should I do as a result of this? How does, what is this saying to me? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about what I need to do? So that's where meditating on it comes in. That's, that's what we're talking about when we say meditate on the Bible. The third thing we need to do is to memorize it. Memorize it. Psalm 119.11, one of, probably one of the most uh, popular verses of all time, says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This verse talks about the importance of memorizing God's word. The word hidden can also be translated stored up or treasured. So we're supposed to store it up inside ourselves, treasure it. Remember that passage we just read a couple minutes ago about Jesus being tempted by the devil? And we talked about how he used the word as an offensive weapon. But you know what? Would Jesus have been able to use the word as an offensive weapon if he hadn't memorized it? No. He didn't say, when Satan came to him and said, hey, Jesus, why don't you turn these stones into bread? He didn't say, wait a minute, let me see if I got my... Deuteronomy scroll here. Let's see. I know it's in here. I'll find it in just a just a few minutes. Hold on, Satan. No, no. He he had it ready to go, stored in his mind because he'd memorized the word of God. In the same way, God wants us to memorize the word of God. I think a lot of adults think that memorizing the Bible was just something for kids in Sunday school. And they think, you know what, I, I, yeah, I remember doing that when I was a kid, and I, I learned a few verses, but I don't do that anymore now that I'm adult, you know, and my memory doesn't work the same way. I, I couldn't do that. You know what? Nonsense. That's not total nonsense. We have sometimes fooled ourselves or talked ourselves out of that we can memorize the Word of God. You can, I don't care what your age is, you can still memorize the Word of God. I, I continue to make that a regular practice in my life. In fact, I have a, a stack of memory verses that I, I have on little cards. On one side of the card, I have a symbol that helps remind me of what that, maybe the first word of, or the first concept of that verse is about. And then on the other side, I have the verse written down. So I'll go through that stack, you know, look at the symbol, boom. I'll say the verse, turn it over, boom, go to the next one. How I started was by reading that verse over and over again, turning it around, and then trying to see how much I could say. Okay, let's see, I can say this much, and I can't remember the rest. Turn it over, read it again. Say it again, boom. So it's, it's a very simple memory technique, but it just the key is repetition. It's like if we just do it once in a while, yeah, it's probably not going to really stick and, and, and be in there. But if we do it on a regular basis, if we are regularly going over verses, that's how we memorize them. And that's how, no matter what your age, you still can do it, okay? It's maybe not quite as easy as you were as it was when you were a little kid, but you can still do it. You can memorize the Word of God at any age. So I challenge you to do that. You know, find, find some of those key passages that you really like in the Bible that really speak to your life. Or maybe you're dealing with, you know, a certain temptation that just keeps on nagging at you. Find a verse that, that deals with that and memorize it. Get into your brain, and then you have it available to use against the enemy when he comes and he tempts you. So, And who knows? Maybe one day it will come to a point, even in our country, like it has come to a point in many countries around the world, 
where the government comes and says, hey, we're not going to allow you to have the Bible. We're going to take your Bible. So we're going we're to shut it down. We're going to try to censor it. And if we've got the word of God in our mind, we're going to still have it available. You know, there's been men who have, who have been taken prisoners of war and uh, they didn't have a Bible to read, but they had to rely on the Bible they had in their memory. So memorization is a powerful thing, an important thing. I encourage you to do that. Take some time to do that. And the last application point is follow it. Follow it. All of that, the reading, the meditating, the memorizing, doesn't really do any good in our lives if we don't follow it, right? We've got to follow what it says. In Deuteronomy 5.1, it says, Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. So Moses was challenging the people of God to learn God's commands and to follow them. It's not enough just to learn them. We need to get the following part down too. So we need to, we need to know God's commands to know how we should live and how we should do, what, what to do, and then... We need to apply them to our lives and try to follow those things. And the New Testament also challenges us in the same way. James said in James 1, to 25, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So James says, hey, you're just fooling yourself. You're, you're deceiving yourself if you hear the word, but don't do it. That's, it's like going into a mirror and, and looking and seeing yourself and then going away and forgetting what, it, what you look like. But he says we need to look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Look intently into the Bible. So again, it has all those connotations of not just reading, but meditating, memorizing, really getting into it, studying it. He says we need to do that. And then he has a really cool promise at the end of that, right? He says those people who do that, they'll be blessed in what they do. So if we take the Bible and we apply it to our lives, and we try to live by it, we're going to live a life of blessing. We're going to be blessed in the things that we, can, we do. What a, what a powerful thing. What a powerful concept. So, again, our big idea is feast on the Bible every day. And we feast on the Bible by reading it, meditating it on it, memorizing it, and following it. That's how we can feast on the Bible. I want you to... Um, see a, a little video right now that is, I think, pretty powerful. So check this out. Is there sound? Remember when he used to read Luke 2 every Christmas Eve? Can we go family. back to the beginning? Gave them all awesome such things. joy. December 25th. They're off to a Christmas party. 
I remember when he used to read Luke 2 every Christmas Eve to his family. Gave them all such joy. March 15th, spring. I just cleaned the house. He picked me up, but only to wipe away the dust. He's pretty busy thinking about how he's going to afford another child. If he only knew, I have the perfect words for him. March 20th. I got packed into a suitcase for some reason and never got taken out. Just tucked away in the pocket. You know, the one with the net. April 14th. His father is sick and they're off to the hospital. Romans 8 could give him perspective. It could give the family hope. John 3 would be great for him to share with his dad, but... They left me here. June 8th. Summer. The kids are out of school and having fun. They never pick me up, though, probably because he doesn't anymore. He watched them play through the window, but he was sad about something. There's so much in my psalms for him to read. August 19th. His father passed away and we're going to the funeral. I thought for sure I'd get open today, but no. Just carried along, but never opened. I wanted to help so much. October 12th. Still haven't been picked up since the funeral, and he and his wife are pretty distant from each other right now. The family is suffering. The wind did blow my pages open right in front of him, but he just glanced down and walked away. November 28th. The whole family is visiting. Everyone's sitting around the table. Somebody asked what happens after someone dies and they all had opinions. Nobody answered with any authority. Hopelessness filled the room. They talked about something else at that point. December 25th again. There's a Christmas party tonight and he walked right by me. Luke 2 would be such a great place to start. Anywhere would be a great place to start. If our Bibles could talk. I think the message is clear, right? The Bible, such a powerful book, such an amazing book, but it can only impact our lives if we feast on it, if we read it and we meditate on it, memorize it and follow it. So we need to really take that seriously in 2020. I, I'm excited that many of you were, were telling me that you've begun uh, some kind of growth plan. You, you took the challenge to do the three-week growth plan last week. And uh, you're, some of you, part of your growth plan was to uh, read the Bible. You know, either you maybe chose to maybe do a chapter a day or you picked a reading through the Bible on a whole year plan or some other plan, a new version. So I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And, but I also want to encourage you to go beyond just reading it. Think about how it impacts your life and, and even try to find some verses to memorize and make sure above all that we're doing it, that we are doing what the Bible says, right? So I encourage you to do those things in 2020. I've got an action point slide for you here. I encourage you at the bottom of your paper there, it says my personal action point. And I encourage you to Choose one of these or maybe some other action that you have in relation to the Bible and write down an action point for you that you want to work on even this week. So 
maybe you haven't started a Bible reading plan yet, and that's like, boom, I'm going to pick one of those to start this week. Or maybe it's, um, I'm going to spend some time meditating on the Bible after I read it this, this week. Or maybe it's, I'm going to choose a verse and start memorizing it. Or maybe I'm going to, after I read the Bible, I'm going to make myself a personal daily action point from my Bible reading. Okay, this is what I need to do today as a result of this. So those are just a few ideas. I encourage you to take one of those ideas and write it down right now on your paper. And that's just kind of your way of saying, okay, God, I'm going to be not just a hearer of the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word. And I'm going to follow up on what I've heard today and actually do something about it. So I encourage you to do that and make that powerful in your life this week. Let's pray. And our, our worship team is going to come up, and, and we are going to just continue to uh, be in an attitude of prayer before God here. Lord God, I thank you so much, Lord, for uh, just for your word. It's just so amazing, so powerful. And God, we sometimes take it for granted, but we have it available to us in a way right now that no one has ever had in the history of mankind. Lord, we have the Bible available not only in the book form that, that is we find, and most of us have probably several of them in our house, but Lord, we now have it available digitally. We have it available on the internet. We have it available you know, in, on our phones and our tablets, just every, every conceivable way we have the Bible. So, Lord, let us not fail to feast on the Bible since it is so readily available to us. We have this big Thanksgiving feast of the Bible that's set before us. So why would we then choose to not engage in that feast? Why would we not want to partake of that? So I encourage each one of us, Lord, who has just written down an action point, and those who have not written one down, I encourage them to do that as they think about this. I encourage us, Lord, I, I pray you encourage us to follow through on those things in this week to actually work on that action, God, to actually put that action into effect in our lives. Lord, then this message will have had some value. Otherwise, it's really had no value unless we put it into practice. So God, empower us to do that. Lord, remind us with your Holy Spirit throughout this week. Maybe we put our action point in a place where we can see it this week so we're reminded. But Lord, I just pray that you will uh, keep this before us because as we are growing through engaging with the Bible, God, that's going to not only bring success in our lives, it's not only going to be prosperity in our lives, it's not only going to bring fulfillment in our lives, but it's also going to enable us to impact the people around us. So God, I pray that we will do that. We will engage with your word this year. And we ask you for it in the name of Jesus. Everyone says, amen. Well, it's been great being with you again this week. I encourage you this week to read your Bibles, get in, look at them, meditate on them, think about it, follow it. And next week, we are going to be talking about the, the next thing in our growth series, which is prayer. And we're going to be talking about different ways that we can pray, model for prayer, um, how prayer can just make a difference in the lives of the people around us and in our lives. So looking forward to that next week and remember Wednesday night we'll have our Bible study that will start at 7 o'clock weather permitting 
God bless you. Love you. I'd love to pray for you or talk with you afterwards.